from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Red Raiders Podcast brought to you by the Avalanche Journal. I'm AJ uh, Media Sports Writer Don Williams, joined as always by AJ Media Sports Editor Carlos Silva Jr. On uh, we're, we're we're talking to you. We're taping this on a Wednesday. You'll probably hear it a little bit later in the week. Um, we're recapping Texas Tech's 33-30 double overtime loss to Baylor. Red Raiders looking ahead this weekend to uh, game Saturday against Iowa State, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. kickoff out at Jones AT&T Stadium, and. Uh, uh, Carlos, live. lots of discussion coming out of that Baylor game because uh, great game, but uh, controversial. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, it didn't, didn't. A lot of the calls that went on. Yeah, and uh, not not to obviously kind of toot my own horn, but of course uh, this is more of a kind of interaction with the readers because I know people like to kind of get your thoughts and takes a little bit. So I think this is kind of more uh, aimed to that. Obviously, you'll give some some of your opinions on the Iowa State game, what you saw at Baylor, but. Uh, usually on Tuesdays, uh, we post our preview podcast with me and Ryan King out of KLBK, who now has a new segment for you, Don. He's going to ask you a question since we both know you don't listen to our podcast. So <laughs> That's not true. Nah, I, well, if, if you didn't, he's going to ask a question that he asked on the podcast, and he wants to know if you know this. And it's a pretty dang tough question because I couldn't answer it, not to say that you won't because you know basically everything Texas Tech, but uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out at you that uh, for those that – Listen, uh, you'll get a question from that. And then, of course, uh, Ryan King and I obviously break down. Really, I mean, we get nitty-gritty with some of these stats. Uh, Iowa State, a real good run team. Obviously, we'll get into that. I know there's a lot of questions about that. But just uh, don't forget to subscribe to the old uh, Red Raider podcast. And don't forget to like us and kind of do all those comments and stuff. So we appreciate that. So on to the question. We got got a bunch of questions. We're just going to dive right into them real quickly today. Uh, Robert Powell, RP Texan, asked, Sarah says, I believe Wells and staff have the team playing together, believing in each other, buying into their schemes and concepts, and win or lose, this team's playing hard. I'd agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I kind of talk with this about Ryan. I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, Don, but the last two games I feel like you probably would have lost them by 14 to 21 points in prior years. I just feel like there's some sort of resilience that's being shown by the defense, and not only that, but the offense. I mean, when you look at what Jet Duffy was able to do on that last drive, I believe he had a couple first downs where you had a third and 11. I believe he had a 12-yard pass. Continue to get that. Then you score to take the lead, that three-point lead. The only unfortunate part, and I know everyone kind of may, may stick in everyone's craw, but you had an 89-yard drive that you gave up that allowed that field goal to obviously tie it and send it to overtime. You had a chance. Like, that's the thing. You are in the fight, as Chris Beard would like to say. I know uh, Matt Wells is starting to say that term, but you were in the fight. You were close to winning this one, just like you were a couple weeks ago as well. But uh, certainly the fight's there, and I think that's uh, something to look forward to and a show of progress, as we've kind of said before, as Kirby Hokett likes to mention. Yeah, I think I'd agree also. I mean, based on what we've seen the last two weeks, I mean, 45-35 win over Oklahoma State, I did not see that coming. I said, yep. sat here a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and said did I'd take Oklahoma State. And yeah, I took the, the points, points took, took the 10 points. And the way Baylor is playing, uh, has been playing this year, and the way they've been playing defense, I thought mm-hmm. it was a pretty, good, uh, a pretty good showing down there as well to be you know in that game all the way right down to the end. So I think that's true. I think, though uh, – 
you, you got to keep it up because uh, Iowa State is going to be as good or better than either of the two teams that you just played. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would generally agree with the premise that they do seem to be, as Robert said, playing together, believing in each other, buying in, and playing hard one way or the other. Uh, Robert also asked, did Matt Wells think about going for two at the end of the first overtime? Um, now, I was trying to remember, I, I don't – he, he – May have been asked that on Saturday post game or Monday, but I don't recall. I, I don't. I don't think they. Did. You wrote something about him feeling good about the defense. I don't know if that yeah. was the same type of uh, question for the two point, but I remember he asked him something about it, or someone had asked him about something to where he said he felt good about the defense, and that's why he called a certain play for something. I can't remember if that was a two point conversion. Though. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they thought about going for two at that point. I think they just went to uh, hang in there and keep the game going. Yeah. Uh, Ty Vaughn, that is at Mr. Ty Vaughn to you on Twitter. He said, I appreciate Coach Wells' passion for our guys, but is this necessary? And this is referring to uh, talking about the talking openly about the officiating. Mm-hmm. And uh, in his defense, Ty asked this on Monday. He said, the Big 12 refs are notoriously bad, and this, to me at least, gives off a whiny vibe to the rest of the conference. Hope we're in a position to not have to worry about the awful officiating. Well, the last line kind of mentions really how I feel about it. I mean, the Big 12 Conference has been known for not having the the best of refs, and uh, the last couple of weeks have certainly not been the best uh, time for them. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about the comments made by Kirby Hokud and obviously Matt Wells as you were there at some of the press conferences. I was not. I was in El Paso kind of enjoying some time a little bit, but then obviously watching the Tech men's basketball team as well. Uh, my biggest thing, Don, is just uh, I think – it just shows a passion and showing the team and the players that you've got someone behind you that is fighting for you. And I think there's something to be said for that. I don't necessarily think it's whiny. I thought they stated facts. I thought they provided context to a question that was asked. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah, that, yeah. Folks like me were asking. And I thought Matt Wills did a good job of explaining, kind of, kind of going up to the line without crossing over it. Yeah. Kind of answering as factually as he could what he yeah. saw and what the consider what the considerations were. So I didn't really have a problem. I didn't have a problem with the way he answered. And I think in defense of Matt Wells and Kirby Hokut, they said things that the fan base by and large wanted to hear. Yeah. And which uh, is a yeah. coach and an A D sticking up for their team. Yeah. And uh, I, I would have to say if if you want to go towards the term whiny again People use certain words for it. I think whiny gets to a point where you're putting your opinion to it. There was no opinion. It was just they were answering a question as best they could. And obviously the statement that Kirby Hoke had put out obviously uh, didn't appease the Big 12 conference, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm sure there are questions about that somewhere. Uh, Kim Summerall, or at Kim G. Bannister, asked, maybe I missed it, but did anyone address the music being played during snap counts? And answer that one, yes. Yes. Uh, on Saturday during the game, Matt Wells was uh, not happy with that, and uh, he actually asked uh, Texas Tech people, mm-hmm. people who are not coaches or players or mm-hmm. what have you, asked Texas Tech people, you know, need somebody to take care of this. Mm-hmm. And it so happened that Ed, Ed Stewart, uh, Big 12 Senior Associate Commissioner, was, a, I think, game administrator. He was in the press box on Saturday. Um, and I think they conveyed... Matt Wells' concerns to Ed at halftime to sit, to tell Ed to tell the Baylor people to uh, knock it off with playing the 
music or artificial noise right up to the snap count, if not be, right up to the snap, if not beyond, which you're not supposed to do. And uh, Matt Wells, that was another thing Matt Wells acknowledged. And happened in Oklahoma too, for anyone that cares. But yeah. so yeah, they they but no one's they did, they did address that in game. Like I say first half, Matt Wells wasn't happy about that. He yeah. said, "Hey, need somebody to tell Ed to have them take care of this." Uh, at Cryptocrates asked, what were Kirby's thoughts on the botched intentional grounding call? It's all you. <laughs> I, th- I believe this is from, uh, I believe this is from Jet Duffy Pass from deep in Texas Tech territory, second half, uh, under, the, under, under pressure, through the ball, out of bounds, left sideline. It was not intentional grounding because... Jeff Duffy threw the ball directly over the head of an eligible receiver. So was he in a desperate mode? Absolutely. Uh, was did he have in, was he throwing a pass with the intention of completing it? Absolutely not. But was there an eligible receiver where he threw the ball? Yes. Again, directly over the head of the eligible receiver. So mm-hmm. it was not intentional grounding. Steve Brown at SRB39. Do the headlinesmen flip sides of the field at halftime? The ref that threw the butt fumble flag was on our side in the second half. The answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, linesman, line judge, um, let me think. Linesman, line judge, uh, field judge, side judge. Mm-hmm. They do switch. And then right. Linesman, line judge, switch sides at halftime. Field judge and um, I've got this here. Field judge and side judge mm-hmm. switch at halftime. That so is all you. Answers the question. Um, okay, so earlier today, again, this is Wednesday as we t- tape this. Mm-hmm. Big 12 finds Kirby Hoka $25,000 for his comments on officiating, um, which he made on Sunday. Which was a statement. Come out with a. Mm-hmm. Kirby kind of cast it by saying, I just passed along to the fan base, to the media. Factual what, statements. What the Big 12 office passed along to me without interjecting an opinion or criticizing the officiating. He was just looking for clarity. That is Kirby's position on it. He gets For that, he gets fined and reprimanded. Fined $25,000 and reprimanded. And obviously the Big 12's position is you can't say anything, period. No, don't Just don't talk about the officiating. Yeah. Um, John Rhiannon Thomas asked, you have been riding for Tech for a long time. Can you name an event that has rallied the fans as much as this fine from the Big 12 has? You're going to have to open the cobwebs for you, Don, apparently. Well, here's the, I tell you what, here's the granddaddy of them all in that regard. The granddaddy of them all in that regard in terms of rallying Tech fans, you got to go all the way back to the 1950s when Texas Tech was a border conference program wanting to get into the Southwest Conference and SMU was opposed to Texas Tech getting into the Southwest Conference. And so Texas Tech fans, uh, a mass of them, uh, cut up their Neiman Marcus charge cards and apparently mailed them to Neiman Marcus, you know, down there in Dallas Mm -hmm. uh, and SMU folks. That that was their way of protesting SMUs standing in the way of Tech getting into into the Southwest Conference. And that was in 1952. And then in uh, 1956, Tech eventually got him to the Southwest Conference. So this pales in comparison to that. But in terms of the all-timer, I think that would probably be the all-timer. And then there's been plenty of other instances, I'm sure, yeah. through the years. I mean, when Mike Leach got fined for his uh, 
going off on the officials in the post game back in Austin back in 2007. Yep. You know, that was a, Mike was immensely popular back then, so that was a rallying point for Texas Tech fans. Which, uh, would you call him whiny at that point, Don? Oh, my goodness. My, what, what Mike did uh, that night uh, dwarfs anything that Matt Wells or Kirby Hocutt have said. Just throwing past, that out there. In the past few just, days. Just throwing that out <laughs> Oh, yeah, out. It, it was classic Mike Leach. Yeah. It was... Uh, he was talking, he was like Floyd Turbo. Just uh, <laughs> he he was he was going on. No and, filter, running. No filter. You're right. Yeah. And yes, uh, Matt Matt Wells was filtered on Saturday night, yeah. and Kirby was filtered in his statement. Uh, Mike wasn't filtered in '07 down in Austin. Um, pardon me. That's my phone. Yeah. And I'm going to shut it off. You're a busy guy. Um, AG3 asked, after that tough loss to Baylor, how do you expect our team to respond against Iowa State? Is it too much to think we will win this game? Do you see Duffy improving Saturday, or you do, do you see more interceptions coming? You go first, Carlos. A lot of uh, questions there. I think, uh, I think it's certainly a rallying cry loss, I would think, just because you felt like that was a game that you had in hand. You can certainly look to points. Uh, in that game, uh, the one that really sticks out to me is that 89-yard drive that you allowed to get a field goal. I think that's something that the defense will rally against. The fact that you created turnovers is a huge uh, positive. I think that's something that you can look at with the defense, that you had a guy that came into this without any interceptions, and you forced him to obviously throw a couple in that. Three. Three. Uh, the one thing that does stick out to me is you did get those uh, turnovers, but you didn't turn them into points. Uh, that was the one big thing, I think. Not all of them. I Got think a, it was a field goal. So I'm saying it's three or ten. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't so, remember that one off the top yeah, of the so, so, so that was the tough one. I, I, I think it was another game I was thinking of. But that's the one thing is you have to take advantage of those and you have to score, which certainly I think the offense is looking a little bit better. So I think it's uh, a, a – uh, what's the word? I think it's possible for them to beat Iowa State, although Iowa State is a much, much improved team compared to uh, Baylor in the sense that they've got a little bit more talent at the defensive line position. Yes, you have uh, Mr. Lynch that was pretty good, but you've got some guys that will shut down your run game. And if you're one-dimensional against Iowa State, everyone knows about that double-cloud defense. We'll talk about it. I think I saw a question about it. But... uh, uh, let's see here. I, I think they certainly will respond. They responded, uh, obviously, after the Oklahoma loss and the Arizona loss. You saw what they did to Oklahoma State. So they have shown that they can respond following a loss. Uh, I don't think it's too much to think that you could win this game. You are at home where you are undefeated, by the way, at the at this point. Um, do you see Duffy improving? This is just Jet Duffy. He has a good game. He has a bad game. Maybe you have your good game today. But the biggest thing that you saw from Jet Duffy is – um, the defense kind of bailed him out a couple times when he did have those interceptions. They only gave up, I want to say, a field goal, and uh, I can't remember the other one. But that's the one thing is can the defense hold up when Jed Duffy does make those uh, mistakes that you don't want to see? Here's how I see it. Uh, I think I think if you're a Tech fan, you probably feel good about the cha- about the chances that Tech will respond well this Saturday. You know, concerns. Texas has concerns for a lot of years about how well. Do, how do you play in eleven a.m. games? Well, they played lights out in their yep. eleven a.m. game last time at mm-hmm. home at Jones Stadium. Blew Oklahoma State's doors off right from the right from the beginning. So it kind of quelled that concern. Um, and again, we've seen them get after it from start to finish each of the last two weeks. So I think they have shown 
a resilience factor. Um, is it too much to think you'll win this game? Not necessarily. Iowa State's a seven-point favorite, and uh, I, I think your concern here is that Iowa State has had your number for three years in a row. I think schemati- yeah. schematically they've given you a lot of trouble. They've all, they've given a lot of teams a lot of trouble. I mean, you're talking about a team that, again, is a top 40 defense nationally, uh, top 40 against the run, top 40 total defense, and watching uh, – a replay of Iowa State and West Virginia there. And the thing that impresses me is Iowa State did not have Jaquan Bailey, preseason all-conference defensive end. They did not have Greg Eisworth, preseason all-conference safety. Um, and they were also missing another defensive starter. And they still shut down West Virginia, which is not a great offensive yeah. football team. Mm-hmm. But even without three key person, three key personnel guys um, – they still look like that Iowa State defense that uh, that is just really tough and tough to go against. And I'm, so, I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious to see how the offense comes out because you lose Hakeem Butler, you lose uh, Mr. Montgomery. That was really good for you. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out because instead of a – They're a big, not as good on offense. Yeah, so. yeah. I was going to say they, they don't have a guy that can win those 50-50 balls. So it'll be interesting to see how those two five ten guys work, even though they've been really, really effective so far. And we'll kind of – Go to the next question. Uh, Chas asked, uh, ISU's cloud defense no, just on Kingsbury's offense, no question. What about Yost's offense do you think will be any different? Uh, and also asking Jet Hanlett. Um, I, I, it did, he, the Matt Campbell defense and John Heacock defense did give Cliff a lot of trouble, yep. as we have uh, documented. Uh, what about David Yost's offense will be different? Um that's a good question, and it kind of ties into another question that, that we'll get to here in a moment. I think mm-hmm. they need to run the football effectively. Absolutely. Like they did last week yeah. with uh, Sir Roderick Thompson carrying mm-hmm. 28 times for 150-plus yards. I think you need to run the football effectively. It's, a, it's another defense kind of similar to Baylor's in that they play th- three guys down a lot, and then they drop people, drop linebackers, mm-hmm. drop, guy, drop their DBs. And so you have a quarterback who's trying to look – for throwing lines when there's eight jer- eight other colored jerseys mm-hmm. back there, you know, at uh, at kind of the 10-yard level and the 15-yard level. So I think it's it's critical for Jet Duffy or for any quarterback not to force things, not to try to force things against Iowa State's defense. If you're a person who wants to see them air it out and throw, throw it 20, 25 yards downfield, yeah. probably not going to be a lot of that because if you do that, then you're going to be saying, oh, he threw into double coverage. Why do you do that for? Yeah. Because their defense kind of lends itself to that. And um, I was looking here and what David Yost said uh, Tuesday after practice. And I'll just read verbatim here for a moment. Feel free. <laughs> if you don't mind. It's good podcasting. Uh, David Yost said they're really good against the run, really, really good defense. They play downhill. They're the kind of guys that started running this 3-3-5 structure, and you can see their levels ahead of some other teams we've seen do it as far as how they fit things, how their linebackers react. Linebackers playing about three and a half yards off the ball. If you run the ball, they're on the line of scrimmage. If you pass the ball, they're dropping back to nine to to 10 to 11 yards, getting in your drops. Well, well coached, well schooled, very physical, do a great job of covering a lot of space and everything. They're stingy, especially against the run. They also went on to say – 
gonna, he said it's going to be a really good challenge for our guys to be able to create space in our game, but also we've got to be able to get some vertical shots. They do a great job of staying on top of things, very similar to what we saw last week with Baylor, mm-hmm. not really giving you a lot of vertical throws, so you've got to be very efficient with your throws, and you've got to get the ball on the second level, kind of like they were able to do second, third, and fourth quarter yep. against Baylor. Um, so they play zone a little bit differently, but said – their safety's eyes are in the backfield. Their safeties are run support guys. The middle safety, the boundary safety, they're like extra linebackers depending on how you run it out of what formation. They're down there fast, so you got to try to take advantage of that with play action when you can. Said um, uh, He did say that – he said there's a lot of space if you can keep the safeties back and get the linebackers to come down. There's a lot of space in the center. Part of the field. So but, you're saying an RPO may help. Well, you, you, here's, here's the thing: run. you got to be. I think Jet Duffy. This is, this is an instance where Jet Duffy's got to be able to really execute his play action stuff and, and his fakes well. I mean, that's that's something that kind of gets taken for granted. But you you need to get these guys out of position some to be able to move the football and hit some plays on them. It'll be interesting to see how Jed Duffy goes against them because he's going to be a new quarterback that they haven't seen last year. Obviously, Alan Bowman had probably one of his worst games from what I remember, three interceptions yeah, yeah. in that one. And he had the safety for yeah. digital grounding in the end zone. Yeah, so, I mean, that was the first time that he looked like a quote-unquote freshman last year was when they went against uh, Iowa State. Now, granted, everyone can look and say, oh, there's dual-threat ability. I think if uh, Texas Tech, as you mentioned, Don, I think this is going to be key. If they can run the football against one of the top four teams in the country that stops running the football, that's going to open up that small little space that you're talking about for Jet Duffy anytime you either one play action, roll them out, or if you're doing the RPO and then he kind of finds a little bit of a spot and you can get a couple couple yards, like four to five, and put you in third and short and third and long. Yeah, following up, uh, Chaz asked, do you think the game plan is run, 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 sprinkle in a little pass here and there? I, th- I think the game plan is going to be r- a lot of run. That would help. Probably more more pass than what you would suggest there. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you want to let the defense dictate to you that uh, you can't pass. Mm-hmm. You, you still got to run what you what you run, but it's going to be very helpful if uh, Sir Roderick Thompson could give you 150 again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chaz also asks, is it a very base defense with good fundamentals or more of a complex defense with lots of moving parts? Here's the way I would answer that. I think if you asked Iowa State's guys, they would say it's a very base defense with good fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And if you asked the people playing against them, they would say it's a complex defense with a lot of moving parts. Maybe even Iowa State would admit that. I think more the latter, Chaz. Um TW86 asks, what will it take for Jet Duffy to continue as QB1 even when Alan Bowman is healthy? Keep winning. Yeah. I, was, I mean, seriously. I'm being as serious as I can. Keep, uh, keep, keep progressing on the trajectory that you're on, I think. And I think it's been – I think, I think David Yost has been pretty forthcoming about Jet Duffy. He has been very complimentary of him. On the things he's done well, but he's also been uh, very frank about the areas where he wants to see improvement. And, you know, one of those, the area this week was um, they weren't real pleased, I don't think, with, you know, just the way he started the game last Saturday at Waco. And Coach Yost said that, you know, beginning from about middle of the second quarter on, said he is a very different guy. He is very different in very different on the field. He is very different on the phone, on the headset, talking to him upstairs. That, you know, the game started, but he wasn't really into a rhythm until middle of the second quarter. 
Now, it wasn't a case where he was not really enthusiastic enough or into it. David said he was very excited to play the game. But what the, the, uh, the counterproductive part of that was, like you saw last week against Oklahoma, a couple of weeks ago against Oklahoma State, he was overthrowing receivers early. And so it took him to, again, middle of the second quarter, you know, about fourth series before he started to kind of the – th- the game slowed down and he started to um, play more smoothly, get into more of a rhythm. Game slowed down for him, hit, hit guys who were open. And so that's where they want to see him. Uh, that was kind of his uh, area for improvement this week. But I think, but I would say this, and I think we maybe have said this a week or two ago. I think, I think the job is his if he continues to play at the level that he has the past couple of weeks. I think the job is his through the end of the season. And part of the reason why is the earliest you're going to get Alan Bowman back would be November 9th. Mm-hmm. It would be after that next open date. Yep. And at that point, then you're talking about two months since Alan has played a game. And so the continuity factor with Jet Duffy, who at that point would have started or would have been your primary quarterback five games in a mm-hmm. row, uh, he is going to have such an edge in continuity versus Allen coming back from being rusty. Yeah. That I think as long as Jet Duffy continues to play at the level we've seen the last couple of weeks, I think the job is going to be his through the end of the season. And then it becomes uh, – then you kind of got a quarterback battle in the offseason in spring practice next year. Now you got some interesting stuff in the quarterback battles when you kind of look next year, assuming that everything kind of rounds out the way that you think, especially if Alan Bowman redshirts. But uh, I kind of just to, again, not joking, but I think winning will mask a little bit of things. And uh, if Jed Duffy continues to find ways to win, I think that's going to certainly play a, a big part for him. Go ahead. It looks like you got another. I, uh, I, I, think, I, think this is all the, I think this is all the questions on the sheet. Oh, was it? Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. I thought you were getting another one. I was like, geez, you did get a lot of questions. Uh, there was one before that was we get, uh, Before sent. we get to the comic relief portion. Yeah, the, the, there uh, actually is one more uh, question here uh, from Robert Powell. He had sent it up for the other podcast, but I told him we'd do it on this one because I, I, we recorded it after he asked. But uh, conspiracy alert, did Beard employ odd lineups or substitution patterns last Saturday in El Paso? That's all you, Carlos. Kind of lose on purpose to coach him a harder till the regular season. Uh, the biggest thing that you can take away from that is this team is going to be a little bit rough around the edges when it comes to the offensive uh, side of the ball, just as they were last year. I think a lot of people forgot that they weren't scoring too well. Everyone was uh, looking at Kayvon Moore, uh, who obviously transferred out as kind of the offensive savior. And then all of a sudden, your two grad transfers, Tariq Owens and Matt Mooney, really stepped up. And I think that's going to be the key here for Texas Tech. You essentially bring back two guys that played significant minutes uh, from your national championship appearance team, that being Davide Moretti, guard, Kyler Edwards, your guard. And then you got Avery Benson as more of a leadership energy type guy that comes back. Yes, you had two guys in Kevin McCullough and Andre Saversov that kind of sat out and worked out, but you still have to kind of get the kinks out there. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is this non-conference schedule is going to be huge for Texas Tech to work out. What are the roles for everyone? Who's going to be the go-to guy? Because that was one thing that really kind of uh, was a little odd. Um, Kyler Edwards was doing well. Jamias Ramsey did well. They were the only two that finished in double figures. I believe Ramsey had 13, I think. Kyler had 12. 
Davide was close with, uh, I want to say, nine to eight points. I think six were from the free throw line. I mentioned this in the other podcast, so I apologize if I'm kind of forgetting numbers right now. But um, Chris Clark uh, is a double-double machine waiting to happen. He he is a rebounding guard. He's at 6'6", so certainly he's got the size to rebound and kind of start the breaks. But I think that's the one thing. Chris Beard coaches to win, whether or not people like to believe that. Just uh, it's kind of interesting because well, in, in an exhibition, though, you're you're wanting to see guys more than I mean, I, you want to win. You're coaching correct. to win, correct? But but, but you got to see. He's probably wanting to see a bunch of guys, right? It, yeah, and but try and try your combinations and those well, sorts of things. Well, here's the interesting thing, Don, and I think people forget they had ten extra practices plus three games before they played this quote unquote exhibition game in the Bahamas when they took their foreign trip. So they kind of knew what they had a little bit. Davide Moretti was hurt. Chris Clark was hurt. So those were two guys that you didn't really get to see play much in the Bahamas, but you saw the emergence of Jemias Ramsey. You saw the emergence of Terran Shannon. Terran Shannon did not play against UTEP. He was limping a little bit. Um, Kevin McCuller didn't play. He had a boot on his, uh, I can't remember which foot, but he had a boot on there. Again, it's an exhibition game. Take it with a grain of salt, but I just find it interesting because in El Paso, uh, they probably sold some extra season tickets just because everyone thinks this is a really big win for UTEP, which it's a win if you want to call it that. But again, it's an exhibition. I think the most important factor is Chris Beard mentioned after it, they're going to raise money for the El Paso Strong uh, Foundation and kind of all that stuff. Uh, there were about 4,000 people there, 10 bucks a pop. You can kind of do the math there as to what they raised for that game. Uh, but uh, for Texas Tech fans, don't worry. This may be a little bit of a bumpy ride. But the main thing that you have to watch is just how this team can play defense because they've got athletes, they've got guys with long arms that can create deflections, which is something Mark Adams loves in his defensive schemes. And the offense is going to take a little bit of time, but you're going to see a lot more uh, aggressive defense because the way that this team will score early on is getting turnovers, getting in transition, and scoring easy layups. That's like just take basketball, though, in a nutshell. It is, but... <laughs> if you have to win 52-49, to 49, that's okay. Well, that's the thing. It's like everyone's wondering, well, why was it so low scoring? This is a Texas Tech game. If, if it's under 40, Beard's happy, or Mark Adams is happy. But if it gets above 60, I think that's when you kind of worry. Um, they've got guys that can score. They've got talented players. I, I've seen projections where they're anywhere from top 15 to top 10 in the AP poll, potentially. Uh, that's going to be coming out in the preseason. But like I said, the non-conference schedule is going to be where you kind of see a little bit of struggle here for Texas Tech. But they this happened last year, and this was a group that had a lot of returners, and you just were trying to find pieces to add, like a Matt Mooney, a Tariq Owens. The one thing you're going to miss from Matt Mooney is his leadership, uh, just getting guys to realize this is the type of work ethic you need. Obviously, his three-point shooting and his just clutchness is going to be something you miss. Tariq Owens, his shot blocking ability, I think is going to be missed more than people think because he masked a lot of missed assignments at times and his length being 6'10", and I believe his wingspan was about 6'9", 7 foot, really made up for a lot of things. And I think people realize what Texas Tech was missing when he did kind of hurt his ankle and he couldn't play in that national championship game. Um, but should be another good year for Texas Tech and Chris Beard. I think they're going to quote unquote be in the fight. I think it's uh, nothing to kind of really get worried about. It's an exhibition game for crying out loud. I mean, the only reason I went was for a free trip to El Paso. Chris Beard knows that. <laughs> so, um, Well, that's all the questions that I had. Oh. And I think... Uh, Comic relief time? Uh, David Collier from Red Raider Nation. You can watch him weeknights at 6 and 10 on KMAC. He asked if, uh, if we've Love ever it. been fined. 
Uh, I mean... To my to my knowledge, David, the only time I've ever been fined, I believe, was for uh, traffic tickets. And, yeah, I was about uh, to say, whatever, you know, the occasion, the odd speeding ticket back when I was younger. I've gotten a couple speeding tickets, and I believe I got a uh, parking ticket either here at Tech or for sure at UTEP. I've oh gotten my goodness, a couple. man! You 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 brought a, a bad memory back. I got booted at Tech. Uh, wow. I, I, you know, several a few years after I'd graduated, I was over at Jones Stadium, <laughs> over at Jones Stadium, coming out of practice or the athletic office one day and there was a boot on my car because i had like two hundred dollars in unpaid parking tickets for my student days oh, so, so, so you're telling me you couldn't use your your good name like cliff kingsbury no. and they wouldn't help you out would they don't no no just wouldn't help you out well that was, here that was is probably during the uh goodness gracious that was probably during the well that would have been during the spike days well here's the part that i'm really excited about sorry i'm texting someone right now or, Got a question? Yes, it is going to be the ranking question of the day. He's just trying to see if he can stump you. So I'm going to give you some time, and I'll talk a little bit afterwards. You can kind of get your mind right. Do the little Don. Yes, pretty much. So this is trivia, Don. Iowa State's first win was 2002, 31-17 against Tech in the series. Yeah. How many ranked teams did the Red Raiders play in 2002 and what was the Red Raiders' record in those games? Uh, four ranked opponents, one, two, lost two, maybe. You know what's hilarious? I answered the exact same thing, and I was wrong. What was They it? had seven, and they were two and seven? five. There were Goodness seven gracious. teams. They played Ohio State, SMU, Mississippi State, North Carolina. I, I can't remember which ones were ranked. I'm sure you might be Ole able Miss. to remember. Oh, Miss and NC State. I got, I got the media. That's right, right. yeah. I can so. look it up. It's 2002. They went nine and five. Went to the Tangerine Bowl, played Clemson, beat them 55 to 15. So there were seven teams that were ranked, and they were two and five in those games. Yeah, here you go. Lost to Ohio State in the horseshoe to open the season. Yep. Uh, lost to NC State in an overtime game here at home with Philip Rivers at quarterback. Um, beat the Aggies in College Station in one of the all-time great games in Tech history. Yep. 48-47 overtime game. Lost at Iowa State, which was ranked number 11 with Seneca Wallace at that mm-hmm. time. That was the night game up in Ames. Uh, lost at Colorado in a meltdown game. And lost at Oklahoma 60-15 to in the game that was for, in effect, a Big 12 South Division championship game. So, there you go. Well, he stumped you, Don. So. He stumped me. Congratulations to Ryan King. He he did that. Oh, and after oh, 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 when they left out the tech, of course they beat Texas forty-two to thirty-eight. Longhorns were ranked number three at the time. Which, as so. I told Ryan, if you beat the Aggies and you beat Texas, it's a pretty good year for the old Texas Tech Red Raiders. That was the one where Cliff Kingsbury threw for four hundred seventy-three yards against one of the teams and four hundred seventy-four yards against the other. Well, and he especially enjoyed beating the Aggies because that's where Cliff went to play when he was a kid in New Braunfels, and they didn't recruit him. There you go. So there's the rest of the story. There you go. Ryan. Well, there you go, Ryan. You got to stump Don for the first time. It took me, because we used to do this in the press box. I think it was the first time that McLean Carter started at Austin, and I was asking you who was the first left-handed quarterback that had started since McLean Carter. I think that was the first time I stumped you, so Ryan King has And I that. still don't, uh, I don't know who, uh, I never could come up with one. Well, we, we, we looked it up, and I, I remember we had a name. Sonny Cavazos Cavaz- yeah. was a left-handed quarterback, but he never started a game for the Red Raiders. Yeah, so. And in my time, I used the only other guy who would have even been close to being in that position. Yeah, so one last question, and this is a comic relief question. Do you know what a cyclone is? Have a you ever, cyclone? Have you ever been in one? 
And if not, can you describe what one Probably is? To, to me, a cyclone is like a tornado. That's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to look it up on Google. i got to be at a volleyball match probably about 20 minutes not ago. Not directly. But no, and I've, I've never been, like, directly in the path of a cyclone. Yeah, which I I, I would assume it's not good. That's yeah, yeah knock on wood. wood. Yeah, well, here's the thing is we're not in cyclone territory here. It's uh, other stuff, as you well know. So just All a bunch right. of wind. <laughs> well, Carlos has got to get to a volleyball game. That and I, uh, I need to do some riding. So we're going to yep. sign off for now. We appreciate everybody listening. And, again, we do this every Wednesday. So if you want to uh, send us questions, feel free. Uh, at EJ underscore Don Williams or at CM Silva Jr. Um, thanks for everybody for participating and thanks for everybody, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.